Welcome to Start Writing. I'm Joe Bendoski. Today we have an interview with uh, Laura Dillon. Uh, she's going to talk about uh, the cover she's created, uh, how she writes so quickly, uh, using Wattpad to uh, promote her book and, and increase her sales. Uh, so first of all, we'll talk about this week in critiques. Uh, I was uh, critiquing a manuscript this week and came across the word hazard as as a as a kind of word tag. Uh, the exact line is uh, "I hazard," followed by dialogue, and I flagged it saying I would change it, particularly because while I understand the meaning behind it, you know, this kind of uh, trepidation, this slight worry and fear about making the statement, I can't visualize it, nor can I. I guess audiofy it would be the word. I can't. I can't imagine what that would sound like in the vocal intonation. And so that was why I recommended to the author that I change it. So I, I will point out here, so this is a, a manuscript that was submitted to us, and it is uh, by D.N. Frost. And I will, I will say first, uh, this is her book. It's, it's available on Amazon right now, and she just wanted me to take a look at the first chapter. She is a very good writer. Uh, her, her storytelling skills and her prose are both very strong. And as I mentioned, when, whenever I, I'm critiquing something, it doesn't really matter how well you write. I'm going to pick apart everything. Because uh, that's what a critique is for, and then the author, who gets to see the grand vision, gets to pick and choose which pieces they will think will improve the manuscript. And, and half the time, I may just point out something to be like, you know, this is a personal preference, but this is how I feel about something. So so even though I think she's a, a very good writer, is a very strong manuscript, I still have critiqued it fairly harsh, uh, just because that's how I critique, so that she can pick and choose um, from everything that's presented there. Um the second thing I wanted to point out is that in the manuscript, she writes in a semi-third omniscient. And I took a big issue with this, pointing it out, where mostly in the main character's head, but sometimes we're uh, in the, I, I would call it the, the, the scene antagonist's head, because I, I haven't, I only have the first chapter to, to look through here. And sometimes we're not in his head, so we don't know what he's thinking. And sometimes we're not in her head. And so the the specific term for this is what's called hiding the ball. And in hiding the ball, essentially, the, the idea is that you're playing a game of basketball, right? And in it, everybody knows the rules and we all can play the game. Well, if someone suddenly picks up the ball and tries to hide it, suddenly that's not the game we came to play, nor do we know the, the rules of the new game. And that is confusing and it can be confusing for a reader because suddenly they're like, well, I knew this guy's thoughts in the previous paragraph. There's some important things that have happened. How, how come I can't know his thoughts now? And so the writer is picking and choosing which thoughts to reveal and which thoughts to hide. And there is no real rule to the game other than the writer's choice. And so it makes it confusing and harder to follow for the reader because we don't know what the rules are in that semi-omniscient. And that's a lot of times why editors are very hard on the lines of POV because part of enjoying the experience is knowing the rules that function. Um, and so I did flag her on that a few times saying that, you know, definitely some hiding of the ball is happening here in, in your semi-omniscient approach to the storytelling. Uh, and the third thing, um, and I've, I've seen this in several manuscripts uh, and books that I've read, and I see it a lot, is... Sometimes people will use a comma 
to move the subject of a sentence to the end. A lot of times this is done uh, when new authors, um, if you look at their manuscripts, almost every paragraph starts with the main character's name. And if you're just hearing the audio, that's fine. It doesn't bother anybody. When you see that in a book, it looks a little off. And so a lot of uh, newer authors will sometimes use this technique where they will then move the character's name off of that the, the very first line there, that very first two words or one word, depending on the character's name. They'll move it to later in the sentence by inserting a comma. And uh, so you get a sentence like this. A loud crunch met her ears and she bolted, heel throbbing from where it slammed into the side of the elf's knee. And so what we have here is we have the two um, the two uh, results of the action coming before we get the action itself. Or sometimes the character's name will then be moved to the end of the paragraph. And so essentially what you're doing is you're using a comma to take an active sentence and make it look like a passive sentence. And it reads confusing, right? I mean, one of the, the fundamentals is cause and effect. And anytime you set up anything in a story, you need to really write in cause and effect because that is how the human mind thinks. If we get effect, then cause, it's confusing. And so that's what we're getting in this specific sentence. A loud crunch met her ears and she bolted. So we know that there's a sound and then we know she runs. And then her heel throbbing from where it slammed into the elf's knee. And so it's only at the very end that we know that she kicked him. That's the last part of the sentence. And in the cause-effect world, that should be the first part of the sentence. Otherwise, the, the, the other two elements that precede it are confusing because we don't know cause. We only have effect. Now, there's definitely, in, in the plot, in the grand plot of things, there are times when you use effect without cause uh, as part of building mystery. But here, it's not even that we're trying to build a mystery. She's just structured the sentence that way for some reason. So I do warn writers off about doing this. Don't move your subject to the end with a comma. And, uh, you know, don't structure effect cause in a, in a single sentence or even a paragraph because that's not how the human mind thinks. And it's confusing to read cause then effect. It's odd. Uh, so that's this week in critiques. Uh, here is the interview with Alora Dillon. Tell me about the genre and, and the style of your writing or, or maybe compare it to, to a household name or, or a very popular book. So tell, So start off there. Um, yeah, the, um, I guess you could say that my genre that I write in is kind of a mixture between the young adult and new adults, I guess. And it's in the paranormal. I love paranormal stories. Um, wrote, uh, read, I think I, Pierce Anthony with the, on a pale horse. So that's the one that started it for me. And I also like Terry Goodkind, his, his style of writing as well. So, um, but if you had to compare the current story that I'm working on with anything, it would be, I guess, the TV series Supernatural, where everything is kind of based around central characters that are the star of the, the whole space. And then each episode will have star casts or, you know, people who come aboard and are only a part of that story at the time because there's an obstacle per each episode. So, and then when that episode is over, then those, those guest stars will disappear. They don't, they're not part of it anymore. Okay. So have you started releasing books in that series yet? Or is that just what you're working on? It's something I'm working on. I, it's a hundred, it's going to sound crazy. It's 144 episodes. Jeez. So, 
How, yeah. so, how, how many words do you expect per episode? Um, well, if you take a look on how a script is written, I, I do it kind of more like in a script format, and then I go back in and flesh it out in a descriptive format. So it's kind of like I write the script first. I see all the, I hear them first. I hear all the characters first. Um, and, and I will write it out in an, this just basically dialogue. And if I can get the story across to somebody like a friend of mine, if they can read just the, the audio, the, excuse me, the um, dialogue and literally see the pictures going on in their head, I've done a good job, I think. So at that point, it's just about going back and, and rereading my dialogue and tagging it with an action because everybody's doing something, talking um, and give it some more description and then fill in um, what I saw in my head as I was, you know, as the story unfolded. So it's kind of, that's how I'm able to write relatively quickly. And that's because I write dialogue fa first because, you know, they're talking really fast, like I'm talking with you. And I just, I try to type it as fast as I can, everything that they're saying. And then I know that when I go back and read the dialogue, I'm going to see the, the images just as clearly as when I thought of them up. I just didn't get hung up on trying to write out that description. A lot of people who get into writing, they're like, oh, God, the description part is the hardest part. Like, <laughs> just skip it. Just skip the description. Just, that's funny. Just skip it. <laughs> just skip it because just, you know, I, I, I liken it to watching a movie. Take your favorite movie that you've watched a couple times. And then if you're in the other room and you hear the words going on on the screen, you're seeing that, that picture of, you're seeing that movie in your head just as clearly as if you were standing in front of it. So that's why I say do your dialogue first because that's your, that's your cue. That's like your scent. You know, when you, when you were doing your podcast, you say your smell can, and it gives you, it's tied to memory. So is dialogue. Anytime you read your dialogue, it's tied to that visual picture in your head. And it's so much easier at that point to go ahead and, okay, I can breathe and, and walk my description a lot easier. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so that's how I tend to write, and that's why I'm able to write like ninety thousand words in fourteen days. Jeez, that's a lot of words in fourteen is, days. It is, and it's a lot of therapy on my arm because I have to do a lot of stretching. And <laughs> <laughs> but I can't. I mean, once I get started, I just can't stop. And I always, always, always have an outline first. So I write about thirty to forty pages of an outline first. And then I start in with, I need to know where I'm going first. I don't, it's not set in stone. Outlining is like one of my number one things. I'm always saying, always know your ending first. The beginning can change a thousand times, but you need to know where you're going. And yeah. when you know where you're going, then it's easier to, you know, you can take multiple different paths to get there, but at least you know where you're going okay. and you don't write yourself into a corner. All right. So, uh, so I, I, you mentioned um, uh, a pale horse, and then you also mentioned Terry Goodkind. Now yeah. he's more of a kind of hardcore fantasy writer. He is. I and see that's that's the part. That's another um, author I would be <laughs> if I could. You know, I was I would be a whole other genre, a whole other. Um, so, so do you write fantasy at all? Um, I have a lot, and I have so many stories I've written over the years. I guess, I guess, are you publishing in fantasy should be a better question. It is, unfortunately, it's such a difficult uh, genre to really break into and get a foothold into. So if I, I try to, 
I don't know. I, I guess sometimes you write something that you love. Yes, I get that. But sometimes it's very difficult to, um, it's competitive, the markets that I really, really enjoy. So I much rather um, stay in the genres that I know not completely saturated. They have a lot larger or broader um, spectrum of readers, such as uh. young adult and uh, new adult. Those, I mean, I have with my my first book, which was mm. Melody's Crush. <laughs> um, I wrote it for my daughter, and I had people in you know in their sixties writing me and saying, "Oh my gosh, it's such a lovely story. I could share it with my granddaughter. I can share it with you know so and so." And mothers writing me saying, "Oh my gosh, it was so it was perfect. I could share it with my daughter. It's great to be able to have a book I could share with my daughter." So huh. it's across the board. You know, it's I knew that if I wrote clean and I wrote you know something that every person has experienced in their life, which is their first crush, then I knew that I could probably touch a huge of readers and I did. It, the audience was vast and my first month was just a crazy I didn't expect it and I still I mean and if I had continued on the path by putting you know a story out every month I would probably be swimming in millions right now not the genre of my choice <laughs> but it was something to prove I wrote it to prove to my daughter because she's an exceptional writer at, even at the age of 12 years old one, the young girl was just able to write better than I could any any type of description. She's just amazing. And I just wanted to show her, you know, it's doable. It's something to do yeah. in your spare time and enjoy and get, you know, that creative outlet that everybody, you know, artists really crave. And um, she did. And so she does a lot of fan fiction writing and I just needed to so, show her that there's a, there's a venue, there's an outlet, there's a way to also do well and make money for college and da 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 da. Anyway. <laughs> I could talk your ear off. <laughs> well, that's, it's an interview. That's what we're here to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's, so that's interesting. So that was basically very much Chris's Fox uh, recommendation. You write to market and that's what you did. You, you said, this is probably be all, where I'll be the most successful. I'm going to write to that market. Yeah, I did. I definitely, and it, it was very successful. I did not expect at all for the, for the first book to have the success that it did. And so, um, and I did learn a very valuable lesson is that you need to always be publishing something. Um, I waited a month before publishing the second book because I had no intention of publishing a second book. I only wrote the first one, like I said, for my daughter to get a story out there. It's based, the character is written around my daughter and my, how my daughter and I interact with one another. Uh -huh. So the main character is my daughter and the mother in the story is definitely me, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and we have this, this great relationship. And, um, so I kind of wrote a story around that relationship between mom and daughter. And, um, so I just know that I was like, okay, I wrote the story. I finished it. I just proved a point to my daughter. And then all of a sudden I was getting all this email asking me what happens next or what, you know, I had an ending. I was happy with the ending. I had my goal. I had the ending in store. I did a huge twist at the end. Nobody saw it coming. So that was great. And it was, um, satisfying to me, but it wasn't satisfying to all my readers. They wanted more. They wanted more, 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 and I didn't expect it. So I'm like, okay, what do I do? I don't know how to write a second story in a series. I've never done it. Yeah. So 
you know, I was like, okay, so literally I said, I'll have something out on February 14th, you know, Valentine's day. And I didn't start writing it until February 2nd. And it was, Oh the, my word. That's it was 91,000 words. The first book was 105, 28 days. And the second book I wrote in less than 14 days and it was a uh, 91,000. <laughs> so yeah, I was hurting. <laughs> And it's still, it's still people read it today and ask, what happened? What's going to happen? I'm like, you should know what's going to happen. No, I'm just kidding. I should write the book. I should write book three. I need to write a third book. But oh, I was going to say, I was like, there is a second book here, but book three is what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, book three is, there's, I've written it five times. I've written it and written it five times because the only natural progression for um, that type of story is taking it to a, a, you know, the next level in a sexual relationship, I guess you could right. say. And they're teens and my audience is very young and I'm like struggling with what do I, how do I present this without um, tainting my characters or tainting the story? Mm -hmm. So it was quite dark in the final and I kept trying to clean it up. And every time I cleaned it up, it ruined the story. It, it totally destroyed the story. So I'm like, okay, I'll wait a couple of years and see if I can figure it out then. <laughs> so, so why, I mean, I, I, you understand your story struggles here, but why didn't you just uh, continue? I mean, if you were being so successful in that genre, why didn't you be like, maybe I'll just start another series if I'm stuck on this one and really launch I my author career. Uh, you know, particularly when you can crank them out that fast. I know. Why, why go elsewhere? I mean, I guess for me, if it's like I could write three series in a certain genre, maybe take two years and then be set, I would, I would do that and then spend the rest of my life writing the stuff I really want to write. Well, to be honest, it's because the thing I really, really want to write is my story, the paranormal story that I was talking about. I've been writing it for, like I said, um, for the past 10 years. There's so many episodes. Yeah, exactly. It's a, there's 144 episodes and there's 12 series. And my goal was, is it still is. I have my board completed all my cards and my scenes and everything's written out. I know what needs to be accomplished. I know all the different obstacles. Each series has to, you know, erect 12 originals that my main character needs to get rid of in order to be able to get to his final goal. And of course, every obstacle is in the way, including young love. So, um, and it's, if you've ever watched the show bones, um, everybody is like, Oh my God, you know, the two characters, they, they're knit for each other. And it's not until you finally get to the end that you discover, okay, they, they finally get together, even though the original wasn't meant to be that way. So, I love writing character tension. That's just one of my favorite things to do. So, and I love um, sarcasm. I definitely love sarcasm in all of my, um, yeah, in comedy. I like to write a lot of humor as well as dark and all that. But anyway, so yeah, 144 books is a lot of books to write and 90,000 words. You know, I'm trying to get, keep it down to around maybe 55 because it's an episode and um, instead of doing full-on books, then again, I don't, I'm not sure. It might be end up being seven, uh, 90,000 words each book anyway. So, but right now, it's all about just getting that dialogue out, and then I'll go back through and do and the motion. Brush it out. Yep. So, okay. So, uh, I, I know in a, 
I get, I don't even know in past episodes if we've talked about it. I know at some point I've written a blog post and done a video discussing book covers and in it, I discussed the evolution of my own cover. Uh, you know, I, initially I hired an illustrator and I didn't love the final product. So then I held a contest on uh, 99 designs mm. and the book cover I got is, is the one that you saw. And I got exactly what I wanted. Like, I mean, you know, with, with just the subtle variations that come in communicating an idea from one person to another, that was right. almost dead on as to what I envisioned for my book cover. So that's how my book launched. Mm-hmm. And, it, I started to read some of my reviews and immediately I realized I was targeting the wrong audience with my cover and people were frustrated. They wanted a box of chocolate and inside was licorice. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what was happening with my book cover. They thought it was a post-apocalyptic uh, yeah. uh, you know, thriller and it was a, a, an espionage historical. And, and so a lot of them, you know, you could see that frustration coming out in their reviews and they were giving me lower reviews for it because that's not what they had wanted. Right. They didn't take the time to actually read the description. They judged the book by the cover. They did. They did. And uh, so it was, it was at that point that, that, uh, you know, I, I had, I was hiring someone else to do the cover and I was putting some up on the 20, 20 books to 50 K group where, and then that's where you chimed in and uh, you were making some recommendations and you drew up just some preliminary stuff. And yeah. uh, I remember at one point you asked me and I was like, honestly, at this point, I don't even know what to do <laughs> for my cover. I was just so lost. Like nothing was, was working. You know, I either wasn't happy with it or it wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. Right. And so you came up with a cover and <laughs> that I think is just incredible. It is. Oh, it is. It's beautiful and it's very gripping, but it also communicates the genre very right. clearly and effectively. So talk to me about the creation of that cover. What did you do to, to reach that decision in, 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 in what you did? Um, well, the first thing I needed to do was when I communicated with you, I just needed to know what, who your main audience was. Um, and then, of course, I looked at your, um, your current cover and I kind of tried to see what you were envisioning. I, I got it that you were trying, to, I understood what you were going for because of your description of your book. Um, but I think, like you said, it just, it definitely read poke, uh, poke, <laughs> post-apocalyptic. So, um, and then I noticed that Dan Brown, I think was one of the, Authors you had mentioned, or maybe one of your um, one of the people in the comments had mentioned, and I needed to know what type of uh, books, or if you as a, as a reader instead of an author, you as a reader, what draws you in? Mm-hmm. So, what is it about certain covers, or who do you love so much? The book cover, what really can draw you in? And that's important to know because at the end of the day, that's you know you're a reader as well. And you are just like everyone else. You're going to be um, drawn in by what's going on in the cover, even in a thumbnail. You need to be able to see in a thumbnail action going on, or you can be able to portray the story in just a picture, you know, a couple pictures actually that are layered. So that's what I did. I literally went in and I was like, okay, this is set in the, I think it was in the 80s, right? Yeah. Yep. So 
And I was like, okay, well, 80s back in that time frame, because I lived in that time frame, we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have, we were very much in the whole government, you know, Big Brother's watching. And so I think that's what you would say, or, you know, we had, we felt like it was 80s, espionage. And, you know, it's, I don't write in that genre, but I, I remember it. So Russia and so I thought trench coat definitely would would be able to to give the character a good feel because he's secret agent or secretive and you know and of course you don't want to see his face so seeing his back would be something that would be cool um, to a vault I think that was one of the first ones you know because all the secrets are in the vaults and then I put the bullets down and I was like eh. and then out of the blue I just like here let me slap a bloody hand on here just. <laughs> You know, I was like, the very first scene is about talk, or, or not the scene, but you know, talking about an agent who has been murdered. So I'm like, well, there you go. There's always someone's hands are bloodied in the government. So I was like, okay, that's what we're going to we're going to portray. So I did a couple different covers for you. I didn't make them perfect. It was just, you know, I was artboarding it. I was giving right. options. So, okay. And now, so, so, you know, I've seen mine covered and it's, it's very intricate and there's a lot of layers and, and yeah. a lot going on in that cover. Now, if I look at Melody's crush, it <laughs> is a simple photo of a young man. So talk simple. to me about the, the, the creation of that cover, how it differs uh, in your approach there, because we're targeting different audiences and the covers are wildly different, almost that you would say they were probably made by a different artist, but they weren't. So, so talk to me about creating that cover. Um, that, and this is going to be so embarrassing, but that cover was, hey, I have a deadline. I said I was going to have a book out on such and such date and I didn't do it, or it's, it's pressing and the book cover, I don't have time for it. So I just slapped something together. <laughs> okay. Well, but I mean, if we look at Melody's heart, it's basically the same thing. Yep. So. It was in a series. And um, actually that character on that book cover on Melody's heart, he's actually 30 something years old. And I went in and Photoshopped him like crazy to make him look young. And he doesn't <laughs> look anything like the actual original character because that, that model is on a lot of book covers and you wouldn't know it. So yeah. that's a Make sure you don't use a model that's overused in stock photos on your cover. And then um, the first one, which is Melody's Crush, that particular model or that stock photo, that, that boy, is actually advertising cupcakes or ice cream. And you can't see it because I removed it. So, And I know he would never be used in a stock photo for the type of genre I was in. So it was easy. But I mean, so let's talk about like, like what is, what is, what is it about the genre that made you go with something simpler? You mentioned the first one was kind of a rush job, but you stayed in the style for the second mm -hmm. one. Because um, for teenagers, I went, I just know that it's all about, um, it, what is it about? It's about a boy. <laughs> and so it, to me, it was pretty simple to go that direction. I didn't want to make it complicated. They're teens, you know, and young adults, they, they, and the, the, there's one thing I did do wrong is the fact that not everybody's tastes are the same. So not everybody finds that model, you know, they're, they're Jake, which I think it was Jake is the name in the story. I hope it's Jake cause I would be embarrassed otherwise. <laughs> and, then, and then Kyle on the other book, you know, is, I took a little more time on him because at this point I knew him in this book. I knew what he was going to look like. I knew what, 
I changed the color of the guy's eyes. I, I made the color of the hair was different. I mean, everything was different about this boy because it was more like what my daughter envisioned for her character. Huh. But the first one, I was like, ah, this guy looks fine. Let's, yeah. let's just pop him on there. And it was a different cover in the beginning, actually. It was a different boy, but the uh, cover just did not do for me what I expected it to do. And I wanted it more, I wanted it simplified. Just huh. a picture of a boy, you know. So I think uh, on the website, I'm definitely going to put these two covers side by side, mine and Melody's Crush, just so people (laughs) can see the drastic difference in in approaching the two different genres with your covers. I've done a lot of different covers um, for friends. I have one called uh, a friend of mine, Destiny Hawkins. She's a great writer. She does um, for same sex or uh, LGBT and her first one, uh, she has one called Angel's Blade, and she just, she didn't like the way her cover looked, so I just, for her birthday, I just sent her one, and she's like, oh my god, so, and it totally is different from what I did for you, it's, uh, I do book covers for a friend of mine who's an erotica writer, and, you know, keep it tongue-in-cheek, simple book, but I, it still gets the, the um, vision across, I do shifter story, I do paranormal covers, I always am trying to develop my craft, so I like to practice, and I like changing it up. I have one that really hit home on the master class. I took a master class um, with um, – have you ever heard of master class? Yes, I'm familiar yeah. with master class. Yeah, they so advertise I, to me all the time. <laughs> oh, well, I did James Patterson's master class. Okay. Um, so in there, in there, you were supposed to upload one of your book covers, and uh, one of them I did, it was just – a woman standing there, I put a hole in her chest. Well, kind of looked like a hole in her chest with blood coming down. And she was, had, and she looked like she had, and she was crying blood with ice, with an ice crown. And it was awesome. I loved it. And it got so many people contacting me saying, okay, what else can you do? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's sometimes you connect and sometimes, you know, they're duds, you know, but you have to keep, keep playing and that's what I do that's why I did that for you um, because I really thought well okay I've done this enough and I saw your struggle I know your pain and that's put those ideas out there for your your um for someone I thought you already hired someone to do your cover well I hired a couple people I just didn't you know I mean the second one I can't say I was unhappy I got what I wanted there the problem was what I wanted was wrong (laughs) so right I actually loved that cover, but if it were a post-apocalyptic story, I would definitely be on top of that. Uh, that would have drawn me in, definitely. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. like I said, it's, it's a great cover. It just was wrong for my story. Yeah, for your genre. And, and you definitely, you might need to go write a post-apocalyptic one because you don't want to waste that cover. <laughs> just to use that cover. Yeah. Just to use that cover. I do that. I'll actually go. I do 3D renders, 3D, 3D characters as well, because that way I now have control of the way the character looks, how they pose, how they are interacting with things. Um, so I do any type of, you tell me what you want in a character, what you want them to look like. And so... Um, and now I, it's great. I could just go in and make any type of cover using whatever model I like. And um, I forgot where I was going with this story. <laughs> oh, and then I'll look at the, these models and I'll go, okay, that model story. You know, I know that yeah. character. 
I can start building literally by looking at them, their expression or wherever they're at and go, I can tell that story. I'll go on the stock photo sites. If you ever go to deposit photos, um, just start going through all of their pictures and find all these stock photos and go, oh, I, I can tell that person's story. And you huh. click on it and you put it in the file and I go, I can tell that person. You know, I have a story for that person. I have a story for that person. So I get all these ideas just by looking at people. <laughs> So let's talk about writing craft. You said, I, I don't remember if I have this on the recording or not, but you've been in writing groups for 20 years and you've run them. And uh, so let's talk about what do you think is, is the strongest part of your writing and how did you develop it or how would you teach it to other writers? Whew, the strongest thing is acting. I mean, I think that creating a map, I know that there's a lot of pastors out there, Stephen King being the number one. But um, oh, I think and, Martin's the number one pantser for me. His okay. plots are so intricate. They're so intricate. And he pants them. It's crazy. Yeah, I know. Right. Because then you're like, OK, obviously they live in a whole nother world. They do. They literally every day when they get up and they go to work, they go into another world and they just basically are the what do you call it? The uh, broadcasters for or, you know, the, yeah. the news people explaining what they see. Um, so I think that's the best way is trying to, uh, when you go in, you want to become the character. I learned that very early on. And I used to write in third person, but now I do first person past tense instead of um, third person. Because I found that in third person, I was doing too much descriptive and I was telling more than showing. Mm. So... Um, and it's when you're in first person, you have no choice but to show. You can't tell it per se. It's really difficult to tell a story, you know, tell it. You, you can't, um, you, you're forced to be able to tell, every, show, excuse me, what's going on around you because you're in the skin of the character. And I do past tense because it is a pain in the butt for me for trying to write in present tense because it's a story and to me a story has already unfolded so therefore it's always in past tense when you go to tell a story or share a story it's something that's already happened so it's easier to even go back you know to if you have some backstory you want to intertwine or you know your character wants to um reflect they can but i always try to use dialogue to bring that in if i can't bring the story in through dialogue i know that i'm not telling I'm, I'm starting to tell the story so I need to be able to show it through voice and I know I overwrite in dialogue and that's why it's great I can write 90 pages of dialogue or 100 pages plus dialogue easily and I know that later I can clip them or get rid of them or they say something else that I need to add um, and then the description is now about action I always tag it with action instead you narratively what's going on I actually say you know some ways so-and-so did talks and then they did something you tag it on the end of that dialogue because then you're not telling it you're showing it through action and that was the the, the one thing that I think that I've really I think have um developed over the years even Melody's Crush and uh, Melody's Crush if you read it you don't want to but if you read it and oh, I, I, wrote you go, to read it. I, I wrote it down. I was like, she clearly knows what she's doing. She wrote to market. She had a big hit. I'm going to check it out. I may not finish it. It may not be for me, but, I, but I'm going to at least check it out. 
it will not be for you. <laughs> it's not, it's not for people. Uh, but I'll tell you what, it's the first book. I, I mean, I took a chance when I, I published it <clears throat> and, um, I didn't, I edited it myself. I know that sounds horrible. I, and you should never edit your own work. And so, um, and it's clear because I go back now with fresh eyes and I go, Oh my gosh, I used the wrong word. And I know I don't want to go back and re edit. Um, because it's, to me, it's too late. It's already out there. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, so I, the first crush, how it, how people liked it, I don't know because I did a lot of, um, telling, well, not telling. I mean, it was, it was the inside the character's head. And so you get a lot of, yeah, it was very, um, you were literally in that skin of that character and you, you took on the personality, the shoes, the skin, everything about that character. Um, so that's what I think really made it shine despite all of its faults. There's a lot of faults in that. Story. <laughs> um, and the one being that I literally didn't do enough dialogue or I did sometimes it was just, you know, me ranting as a character to you as if I were Facebooking you. So, you know, if I was doing a message to you and I was about my day, that's how the for story unfolded in that particular book. So, and then when I got to the second book, I was like, I learned a lot, even though it was only a month, I learned a lot from the reviewers. And I was like, okay, I need to know, I need to stop doing so much, um, you know, messaging back and forth or basically messaging and get the characters more action packed. Uh-huh. And so that's how the second book unfolded. And it was less words, but it was longer in length because there was more dialogue and there was more action. So, and I mean, and one character, and I'll tell you what, you can set a goal. You literally can set your goal for your outline or what have you, your story, but you're always going to be faced with characters popping up out of the blue that you're like, oh God, now I got to go back and figure out how do I write them in? So, and I, that's what happened with Melody's crush. That's why it took me 28 days instead of 14 days. Because that's still a really fast story. I work on my stuff for years. I, well, you do a lot of research. You've got so much research to do because yours is literally based off of history. And mine is based off of what can I just pull out of my brain? You know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, like on my current project, I'm, I'm trying to write a, a lead magnet. So, so I wanted, I wanted maybe 20,000 words, nice and short, but uh, I was like, if I'm going to reach the same audience, I still need a lot of history and science. And I was like, if I could just write this story, I'd be done in a month. <laughs> I, exactly. And, and you should try it. You should actually try just, uh, just out of the blue, just a separate project, just for fun. Just tomorrow. for fun. Tomorrow, I want to see in my ebook. I want to see in my email. I want to see you write out literally uh, just two two people dialogue back and forth. And <laughs> I guarantee you, you'll be putting ten thousand words in my email tomorrow. <laughs> That's how fast it writes. That's how fast you cannot. It's just when people are talking, it's just like you messaging a textbook. You know, texting your friends or on a message. You cannot stop. It's so fast. But as soon as you start thinking about, okay, what's going on around you? What are they doing? What's the color of the car or whatever? You know, you all of a sudden your hands freeze, your fingers so, freeze. Well, I guess for me though, like I don't see that as a bad thing. Cause like no. honestly, the first hour of any scene I write is just me uh-huh. thinking. I sit there and I have like a little template 
and I'll uh-huh. fill out little bits and things. And, you know, the first thing I ask is like, okay, where is the best place for this scene to happen so I don't have to be moving my characters all over? I want as many events to happen in a single setting so I just have one. And that's the first thing I think about. And I think about that for a while and I write down some ideas. And then the next thing I ask is like, what makes this setting interesting? What makes it unique? You know, and so, and like I said, it's a template. It takes me about an hour to fill it out. But a lot of it is just thinking, brainstorming, tossing out the bad ideas, keeping the others. Exactly. But, but you know, it, I don't see that as, as not writing. It's just none of those words will actually be the scene. And so, you know, like I said, I have a, I, I just, I have a different process than you for sure. I don't just. Oh, no. I think it's yeah. the same because I spend, like, like for my series that I'm talking to you about, I have a series Bible and each of my characters have such intense back stories. None of that stuff's going to go in there, but my editor who she wrote my backstory and she's like, my Lord, you can write books just on the backstory. <laughs> and it's because I need to know them. Like I know my mother or I know my brother or I know my best friend. I need to know them so I can tell their story correctly. And if, you know, if they have a certain tick or a certain, new, you know, something about them that changes, you know, two books down, your readers are going to know it. They're going to go, okay, wait a second. No, 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 no. In book number two, you know, character so-and-so, no, no, they, they, their left eye tick, not the right, you know, or whatever, or they yeah. sound yeah. the same. So, you know, their backstory change. So I have to know them and I literally have books, pages of each character with a tab. And if I need to go back and, and go, oh, okay, book two, this character, okay, what was the mother's name? I go back and I look at the family tree and I go, okay, that's what the mother's name was. Cause I, I didn't write about her until, you know, two books back is when I talked about the dead mother. So, or what have you, you know, I need to know them. That's my, that is my um, downfall. You were talking about strengths and then weaknesses. That's my weakness. I like backstory. I need to know how the universe evolves. Uh, You know, I'm literally writing about this particular series. Literally, I'm writing about the God concepts and how the universe might have, how they could correlate. And it's crazy. It's really sad. (laughs) I write so much backstory and I need a lot of research, but at least yours is in the now. Mine are all theoretical, you know. Extreme. <laughs> Mine's all theoretical. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, how about, what? how cool would it be if, you know, maybe it was Satan who was misunderstood and it wasn't really his fault, you know. <laughs> maybe, you know, and then, of course, that's a bad thing to talk about, but, you know, people are like, you know, what if, you know, I like to do the what if game a lot. Anyway, again, I can talk your ear off. <laughs> okay, so talk to me about, so particularly when people go into writing, we tend to become pickier readers. So what is it in, in, in when you pick up a book, something that drives you crazy? You see it on page one or in the first chapter, you're like, nope, can't do it, and you toss it back. First person, present tense. I will not read a book. <laughs> you, you didn't read The Hunger Games? Uh, no, I, I couldn't. I cannot. It's it's just my brain is always trying to, I'm an editor as well. So my brain is always trying to take the story and correct it because to me, a story is all supposed to be written in past tense because it's a story and a story right. already happened. So my brain can't get past that. There are a lot of stories that I can't read because my brain won't let me process it. So I'm always editing it instead of reading it and enjoying it. So yeah, I just can't. 
I would okay. love to be able to read some of these awesome dystopian and you know, books that my kids read and I can't. So, well, I know for me, like I can't do first person anymore. I feel like the author is just forcing me into the role of the character. And I, you know, a lot of times I just disagree with the character too much, so I can't do it. But if I listen to the audio, I don't mind because it no longer feels like I'm being forced into the role. It feels like a friend is telling me a story. Right, right, right. And I, I have a, a, the majority of all of my stories um, in my vault are written in third person past tense. I mean, they are, and I go back and I read them and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, wow, I wrote that. Oh, wow. I mean, I used to write his, historical romances. Don't ask me why, but I did. And um, so I go back and I, I'm like, wow, I really liked the way I wrote in the third person because then I could be take on the narrative voice and expand it. You know, you could be, you could, you could hop from one place to another yeah, you know, well, and you get that dramatic irony. So. Yeah, exactly. So, but when I started writing in first person, present tense, uh, not present, oh, Lord, no, first person, <laughs> past tense, I realized that my, the majority of my audience, that's what they wanted. You know, the audience is a young adult and they like being in first person, present, first person, past tense. And um, I had to force myself to write that way for Melody's Crush. Wow. And, yeah, I did. It was like, a, that was the first time I ever attempted it. And then I realized, wow, it forced me to stay on point. It's the focus for my story or my genre is not like world building. It's about the character and her love interest. So everybody wants to be the, you know, teenage girl wants to be in the shoes of Melody and they want to know what she's thinking and how she's doing things and why she does things the way she does. And you can only do that if you're in the brain or you're in the skin of the character. Whereas as a narrative uh, point, of, point of view, if you're working in third person, you can take on multiple different points of view um, and satisfy a different audience, you know, a different type of, especially when it comes to fantasy and world building. I love it. For me, anyway. Yeah. All right. So, okay. So, can't handle the first present. No. And my editor, I, she's amazing. Her name's Charlotte Blow Stanley, and she's an independent editor. And she is like, okay, I got this author I'm working with, and uh, would you be willing to, like, like look at the first page? And I'm like, depends on what it is. She goes, no, it's not first person present tense. <laughs> <laughs> then I can do it. But if it's anything other than, no. <laughs> Okay, so talk to me uh, about the publishing and the marketing that went into Melody's Crush. It looks like you published indie there because you just wanted to show your daughter that it could be done. Correct. And a great, um, as well, is Wattpad, W-A-T-T-P-A-D. I'm familiar, but I think uh, it kind of depends on the audience you're targeting. Exactly. Um, and well, I've seen every walk of life come through there. Um, and the cool thing is, is that it's a place to introduce characters and, you know, you can even do backstories on there and people get so, um, caught up in the character that they have no choice, but to go, okay, I want to go find out more. And then go and go to Amazon. Cause I, I link to Amazon. Oh, um, that is fascinating and a good idea. Uh, you could put the character journals on there. 
Yes, it's great. I have a friend of mine um, who does that for his blog. He took his stories and took the characters out of the story and then started giving them like daily journals and stuff, you know, what the characters were doing. So that's a really, it's, it's, I think it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, a lot of authors start off there because they're doing it as a um, more or less fan fiction or, you know, doing for fun. Hobby, and next thing you know, they find that they've got this following that is substantial, and they are like, "Okay, they'll follow you anywhere now." You've you've gotten this group that just loves you, and they love your characters. They don't love you; they love the characters, and so they'll follow those characters anywhere. And where we would like for them to follow us is to Amazon, <laughs> <laughs> to a page, you know, somewhere where they'll click and buy. <laughs> so. And um, I, I love. I have to. I don't know if I'm allowed to do, but I would love to bring up um, um, <laughs> Bell. Uh, what is her name? Forest. Bella Bell, Forest. Bella Forest. Holy Toledo! That girl gets it. That author gets it. She knows how to work it when it comes to writing. She's a pro- prolific, like Nora Roberts. She puts out when she first started, she started like three years ago, I believe. Um, and I saw, I watched her progress and she put only a book out like once every three months, maybe four months. And you just, it's hard to get traction on Amazon because you're, you've got such, um, the people who love to gobble up stories and they want your characters and they want them just like they watch a, a an episode on TV. Yeah. They want it next week. And you're like, I had <laughs> yeah. Best. writers do it. You know, you've got writers who do it on shows all the time, but they are groups of people who get together and you've got the final writer, but they normally do it three, four weeks out. So you've got a three or four week leeway. So I tell yeah. everybody who I talk to in my groups, I'm like, Go ahead and get your first three stories ready. A series, even if it's just a three book series, whatever it is, get your three stories ready, get them with an editor and start your next series. And then once you're ready, you put it on Amazon. You publish today. You put the second two out in a pre-release because Amazon will pr- promote you on your pre-releases for all those months before it releases as if it were, you know, you release today. So they free advertising up up until your release date and then they will promote you for another 30 days. So I noticed that my my audit my sales dropped only after the 30 days. And when I put the book another book out, all of a sudden my sales went up and then they were great for 30 days and then they dropped because Amazon pub or they promote you only within the first 30 days. But if you do a pre-release, they will market you up until that release date. Wow. I didn't know that. Yes. And so I'm like, Oh, she's got it. She gets it. She's like, okay, I'm taking a genre writing for the genre. I know it's doing well at the time. Twilight was really popular. Um, and Twilight was popular and then it's, you know, you, the audience is like, okay, Twilight's over. I am ready to have another type of story. And she came up with a very unique on the vampire story, young adult, whatever. And, um, very, and she, her first book was only, I think, 30,000, 40,000 words. Yeah. And she's now she makes sure she has a book coming out every, every month. month. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, a lot of people talk about Bella Forest because I think 
Uh, and I don't know how accurate this guy's statistics were, but it was actually Brandon Sanderson talking about it. And he said, she is the author who is making more money selling books than anyone else right now. Exactly. And if and, you, uh, I tell everybody, I'm like, Oh, I, I wish I could. I just, I need, I'm like, dude, right. You know, I have a friend of mine who is an amazing writer. His name is Chris Genovese and he writes erotica. I, t- I convinced him to write an, under a female genre under a female name because his masks, the majority of his, um, his um, audience were men and women don't tend to read eroticas or any type of romance from a male perspective. So I said, Hey, give it a try. I, I gave him a challenge. I gave him a 10,000 word challenge. He met it and he published it. And now he's got a huge following on Facebook. He talks to them every day. He gives these crazy, and he, he came out of the closet. He let everybody know he was a guy writing for the women and they love him. And then he got flown to New Orleans and he was, I mean, got to do book signings and it's just cool. I, he's like, he attributes that to a challenge. And I was like, you can't tell anybody I told you because I'm a young writer and you're an erotic writer. <laughs> so, but he does, he tells everybody, he's like, yeah, you know, it all, I wouldn't have had this happen. He was a, a horror, a dark horror writer before I met him on right on through Amazon. And, um, and that's how we got to know each other. We were both in the military. We both had military backgrounds in the air force and I understood what he was going for. And I convinced him to write in first person past tense under a being a woman and doing erotica because that's what was selling at the time. And he did it and he delivered it beautifully. And that man can write fast and he writes well. And I'm like, my gosh, you can do it. <laughs> and he's just like, well, you know, I was like, if you just follow that Bella Forrest mindset, you know, you can, I know he can do it. There are a lot of people out there who they can do it. They just need to put the butt in the chair and do it just like I can. I can do it. You can do it. Well, but I mean, like, I, I guess, you know, there are, there are different approaches to, to being an author. One is the entrepreneur mindset. Find yeah. a need and fill it which yes. is the entrepreneur approach. And then there's the artist approach, which is my approach, which is I want to write what I want to love and then I'll figure out how to sell it when I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> but isn't it so much easier that you, you write, you make enough money and then you go write in whatever you want? <laughs> <laughs> well, but I mean, it takes me years as is to write a book. I think if I, if, I, if I went to just write a bunch really fast and then get back to what I love, I might never finish the projects I want to do. <laughs> That's what happened to me, I guess. <laughs> I was like, ah, I've been working on this one for, like I said, 10 years and yeah. I keep writing it. And one of these days they'll be published maybe after I die. I don't know. But, you know, it's like I just did it just to prove a point and it worked. It, it, proved, a, it proved a point to a lot of writers that I've been writing with in groups forever. And when they saw it, they were like, okay, yeah, it woke up and then you know, okay, I need to reconsider if I want to make money at this, then right now I should write for the market. And then maybe, you know, uh, a year from now, after I've written a first series, then I actually write under my real name, the stuff I want to write. Because you know that Allure Dillon is a is an author name. It's not my real name. So if I publish this next book, you know, this series, it's going to be under my name because it's something I'm very passionate about. And I have been working on so hard. I do so much research and so much backstory on this that I just know to me, I think I see it as a, as a show. I see it as a successful 
TV series as well because I write it that way. Mm-hmm. I want it to be able to, you know, cross. It, it could go into TV if I wanted it to or if, if it ever got picked up. But, um, a, you know, a lot of theories or a lot of books like like um, Martin, you know, that was never meant to be a series. <laughs> so, you know, you've got to... Um, for me, I feel like I'm, I'm, I want to go ahead and fulfill both. I can do both. I can probably, I can write for possibly TV and also develop it so that it's um, book ready as well. Does that make sense? Yep, makes sense. If I'm writing the script first, might as well just pass it on to whoever needs it, <laughs> if it ever got picked up. So. Okay. All right. Well, uh, before you give a shout out, is there anything else you want to talk about or, or recommendations you'd have for, for writers getting started? I guess the recommendation is read. I mean, read, read a lot, you know, obviously follow the trends. If you're in that mindset, if, if you really are wanting to um, write to be successful as far as um, making money in this, in this, then my suggestion is to make sure you follow the people who are already successful, such as like Bella Forrester or, James Patterson or Nora Roberts. Nora Roberts, she writes two, three books a month. Easy. Same with Bella Forrest. Same with James Patterson. He actually, you know, he outsources people to help him write his. So if you are not uncomfortable with doing that and getting, just getting your foot in the door and getting your name known from that point forward, it snowballs. And then you can write under whatever name you want and under whatever genre you want. Look at JK Rowling. She tried it too. And she realized that her name that she she wrote for a genre she didn't particularly care for. I mean, she she loved the story. She's been writing it for years. But at the end of the day, she really wanted to write for adults. And when she tried to write as a different um, author under a different genre, it didn't translate. She was too loved to her storytelling in, you know, the young adult was just fabulous. And uh, it captured the world. And then when she tried to write for another audience, it, it didn't translate. It didn't do well. So sometimes you discover you actually are natural storytelling in other genres by just trying it. That's funny. All right. Well, tell people where they can find you and your work. Mm. Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Amazon is the only place I put my, um, my book or my books um, in unlimited. So if you have the unlimited subscription then or prescription or whatever subscription, then you can download it for free. Um, and then I also, I do have Melody's Crush on Wattpad as well. If you want to read it there, it's not the edited version. <laughs> I don't think the first one was, you know, the one on Amazon. It's not that edited either, but it's, you know, it's the raw part of it. It's the raw book. And then um, for my cover design, uh, you could just reach out to me in Messenger at um, at Laura Dillon, and then on Facebook, and then uh, I have, like I said, the Autumn Night page. But that's just where I will probably post some of my book covers. I, I may not go there. I'll just probably do it on a Laura Dillon. <laughs> okay, <laughs> a lot easier. Um, so, so I do have one quick question. You mentioned sure. that the version on Wattpad is not edited. Talk to me about just how raw that is, because uh, when you mentioned that, and uh, for myself, I was thinking I'm working on a lead magnet. I could release the chapters as I finish them on Wattpad, and so I'm wondering how much editing, just as far as copy editing, should I put into that be, I, before I release it there? I didn't really do any. 
So uh, you'll see the difference in Wattpad versus the one that's on Amazon, even though Amazon, uh, have you, do you remember where, have you ever done the and then, and then, and then I learned that you don't say and then I had over 300 some and thens. In my yeah, yeah and I, we, we, we had an episode where we talked about and then. <laughs> yeah, and I discovered to myself, I was like, okay, that sounds, I kept reading it myself and I was like, that's horrible. So I went back and I literally did a control F on my word document and found every and then combination. And I went back and changed it to, um, a, you know, like, um, while or then. <laughs> huh? Oh, I was going to change it to and or then, cause you don't need both or, or you do it with, you know, and then instead of, and then you do it in conjunction with while I was, or, and then that makes you do more action or, uh, as da 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 da, as is as if this, and I changed it all to where it became a more active voice versus a and then telling voice. Hmm. So, um, so on I think on Wattpad, I think I finally corrected them all. Maybe I'm not sure, but um, it's you know it was just to introduce my characters, introduce the story, and I didn't want to spend a lot of editing time or going back through and fixing it all on there. It was just a, an opportunity to share the story of my characters. So um, Amazon was the, the where you could get the real deal. And then people would contact me through Wattpad going, okay, what happens next? And I'd give them a link to the second book and go here, go here. <laughs> yeah. Now Wattpad's nice. <laughs> so. Okay. Well, thanks a ton. It was great talking to you. Thanks for listening to Start Writing. Uh, that was our interview with uh, Laura Dillon. Uh, she is Autumn Knight. She is doing the cover giveaway this month. So if you haven't signed up, go ahead for that. And I'm going to announce this now, and we're going to kind of change this in the future. So what we'll do in the future with the giveaways is we will automatically enter everyone on the email list. And then we will announce the winner. And uh, if you email in, we will get you your prize. And we're probably going to be switching to just Amazon gift cards for a while. Uh, we've been trying these these varied uh, types of um, giveaways that were designed specifically for authors. But I found we're not getting as strong a response as I initially thought. So we'll be doing Amazon uh, gift cards that we'll just uh, send out to people. And uh, to enter, all you have to do is be on the email list. And then when we announce the winner, uh, just email in. And so if you're not uh, current on this, there'll they'll be like a three, we'll give you like a three-month window to actually uh, uh, claim the prize. Just because we know not everybody's on, on top with the newest episodes. Uh, so that's, that's going to be things going forward. Um, so just if you're on the list, we'll automatically enter you into the contest. And uh, yeah. That's we'll go from there. So as, as always, we'd love it if you would leave us a review. And uh, if you're interested, go ahead and join the, the Facebook group and uh, we'll try and get some craft discussions going on and, and be able to push it that way.